Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Android Central podcast. My name is Shruti Shaker. I am the managing editor here at Android Central, and I have my lovely guests with me today. A little bit of a, a mixed bag of people because some people are unwell, some just got back from vacation, and so I'm going to call out Derek Lee. Hello, hello. Oh, for once I'm not last. Hello, everyone. You're not last, no. And I've got Michael Hicks with me. Hi, Michael. Good to be back. And of course, I've got Andrew Myrick. We missed you. We know you've had some technical difficulties, so you haven't been on the pod for the past couple of times. Welcome back. Yeah, hopefully it works this time. Hopefully. Okay, we've got a lot of stories to cover today. And I want to get right into it. We uh, obviously put out our uh, Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra review uh, written by Nick Sutrick, who is not present here today, but he did give us the green light to talk about it because I know, Andrew, you have uh, an Ultra model, correct? Yeah, I I picked one up, um, got it on launch day. Yeah. So let's talk about this. I mean, okay, so... My, or rather, Nick's article, he says that it's understated grandeur, grandeur, grandeur. How do you say that word? Grand- grandeur. Grandeur. Grand- I don't know. Whatever. Anyways. <laughs> Year. Grandeur. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, You're French, Ruthie. Come on. Yeah. I know. Uh, uh, he gave it a, what is it? 4.5 stars out of five. Um And he said that it's a great phone. He says pros are a blazing fast processor that keeps cool up to two day battery life, 200 megapixel camera packs in the detail, improved design over the S22 Ultra, one UI 5.1 niceties, S Pen built in. And then of course with cons, he says inconsistent camera quality and it's very expensive, which yes, it is rather, it's a rather expensive device. Um, okay. Who wants to go first? What are your thoughts on this device? Um, do we like it? Do we not like it? Do we agree with what Nick has written? Well, I thought it was interesting that, um, Nick pointed out how, you know, the, like the main feature of the phone, the 200 megapixel camera is like the, the, isn't the most exciting part about the phone. Yeah, and he did a he did an entire um camera review article as well. So, um it's interesting that that's not the highlight of of his article. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not honestly, I'm not sure I'm too surprised um I think because um yes, it's cool that it's like almost double the resolution, but um you know, it often just comes down to the algorithm and um how the software um, you know, what are whatever software tweaks that Samsung has made to take advantage of the sensor. Um and I don't know. I it Samsung is always like at least their phones lately seem consistently inconsistent, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> um like I like, you know, sometimes they take great photos. And then other times, like, you know, the photos are, like, washed out or, like, exposure. Like, you know, there's just, like, weird exposure stuff happening, especially, like, with the sky and stuff like that. So um, I'm not too surprised. But I am, you know, aside from the camera, I am happy to see that Samsung is um, making the screen less curved. Um, mm-hmm. I, excuse me, I've never been a fan of uh, 
curved screens and i do have the note 20 ultra and like just holding it without a case is just annoying i'm glad to see that samsung is kind of easing off that a bit mm-hmm. i don't know those are kind of really my only thoughts like the phone other other than like the camera and like the slightly less curved display i mean the phone just seems like just a refined s22 ultra but so i i wonder then i wonder then should people i get well okay i have two questions uh, and one is directed at andrew um which is the first is why did you buy the phone andrew um and then the second is a more broad question considering what you just said derek um why like should people even consider buying this phone if there really isn't that much of a massive difference to the previous generation's model. So the main reason why I got it was, you know, I had the 22 ultra um, that my wife was using until we switched her over to iPhone. And I just was able to get it relatively cheap because of trade-in deals, even though they, the trade-in deals this year absolutely sucked compared to previous flagship releases from Samsung. Um, <clears throat> but as for your second question, I would, I would venture, like, I would say yes, that the, even if you have the 22 ultra, the 23 ultra is worth an upgrade because of the Snapdragon, like the, the Snapdragon eight gen two for galaxy or whatever the heck they, they called it the modified version of the, the flagship chip. It's it, the battery life is insane. It's actually on par and has been slightly better than my 14 pro max. Um, but I also see, and I've also seen Nick's point about the camera. It is inconsistent at, at best. It's sometimes you can get a really good picture out of it and it's blows everything else other than my, you know, full body DSLR setup. But it's, if, if anything's moving, if it's windy outside, if the, you know, if the, if the, if everything is not perfect, you're basically just like shooting a fish in a barrel. Okay. So that's my, that's my, that's a thought that I, I'm, I'm kind of having right now, which is, um, and, and I'm, I'm kind of talking about the average consumer, um, not the Android enthusiast. Um, and we've kind of talked about this before on multiple occasions. You know, one of the biggest things that average consumers look for in a cell phone when they're buying it is how the phone looks. So aesthetically, and then, how the the phone performs with its camera, right? I think a lot of people that's sort of the the two main things that they kind of look for, and I guess battery battery life as well. Um, so why why do you think? And this is sort of for to anyone, um, but not just to you, uh, Andrew. But why do you think there is this inconsistency? And also, do you think it will be a hindrance in the? the sale performance, like per the performance of how many units Samsung ends up selling. I mean, I think the, I think the primary reason is the, 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 the process, the on-device processing. Cause so Samsung phones have had problems forever about shutter lag. Like you can't just point your phone, tap the button, tap the shutter button and it takes the picture. It has to do a bunch of processing. Samsung tried to solve that or, or alleviate some of that problem with the camera assistant, but you know, and I haven't done the full deep dive that, that Nick has. I haven't had the time to do it yet. Uh, plus the weather's not been great, but 
it's there's still been times where like I tap the button, even though camera assistance set up to reduce the shutter lag, I tap the button and I'm still sitting there waiting for another couple of seconds before it actually processes the picture. And I think that is going to be like, that's going to affect. It's the same problem that we've always had with Samsung phones. Now, is that going to affect sales? I doubt it because people don't care if they see 200 megapixels and, you know, better battery life and get excited about it. Yeah, that's true. Right. I mean, for me, I do think 50 MP has been the standard for years and Samsung and every other company has refined it. I think 200 MP is going to become the new Android standard for a lot of phones. And you can assume that it'll improve over time. And there is, you know, the effect of pixel binning for low light photos and everything else is pretty substantial. And I do think you can hope that improves, but genuinely when, when I ask the Samsung SVP of camera stuff about shutter lag, he insisted that Samsung phones don't have shutter lag. And he talked about the camera assistant, <laughs> but just the fact that that is their response makes me wonder if they're ever going to prioritize fixing it because they are just saying, no, there's no problem there. There's no problem with action photos. I'm not sure where that comes from, but pride. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it pride. Sure. But yeah, I guess the point is there's no point waiting for the S24, assuming that it'll do better in that area either. If you like Samsung phones, the eight gen two does seem to be the best chip that snap drag that Qualcomm has made in years. Performance yeah. is great. Battery is great. So why not get it and just hope that the 200 MP improves with software updates over time? That would be my assumption. There's no point in waiting. It's kind of funny that, you know, the SVP at Samsung set of camera stuff says that there's no shutter lag. Uh, if there was no shutter lag, then why would you put options inside the camera system? He was saying the only difference is it's the difference between pressing. You take the photo when your finger comes off the photo button, whereas with camera assistant, it takes the photo as soon as you press the button. That's the only difference. There's no lag otherwise. So yeah, I don't know. It's also weird that that (laughs) hasn't been the default. Well, the the extra time does give you better processing. I haven't used like an iPhone, but I feel like that happens with an iPhone. Like as soon as you press it, it takes a photo. Am I correct? Yeah, Um, it does. It does, unless you're shooting in raw. I mean, it takes it immediately anyways, unless you're shooting in, in pro raw and then it does process for a minute. Or even, yeah, like at, at when you're doing night mode, like at night or whatever, it'll take a second to process it, but it, it, it's pretty, pretty quick. Instantaneous. Yeah, it's pretty instant. Yeah. Also, I just love that we're calling him the SVP of camera stuff. I think. <laughs> I would just follow point- Michael's lead. <laughs> I, I'm forgetting his I, Let me look up his name. I'm feeling bad now. Yeah, because if Samsung's listening to this, they're going to be like, okay. So so one more thing I wanted to touch on that my plan to tinker with this weekend is I found um, a a working modded version of the Pixel Cam. It's it's called G-Cam. And I'm going to try and do some like side-by-side comparison stuff similar to what Nick did. Probably not as in-depth because he's a madman. But um, just to (laughs) see like... Cause there are some differences between using, uh, and I've noticed I got it installed set up yesterday and there are some differences off the bat that you can notice or that you notice uh, with the way that the cameras work. So I'm interested to see if how the actual like results stack up. Cause then mm. it might be like, Hey, yeah, Samsung's app's cool, but you should do this instead. Mm. 
Mm, yeah, no, that'd be, that'd be uh, definitely interesting. And I, I look forward to hearing that. Um, Joshua Cho, Samsung's camera R&D head. There, there go. you go. There you go. <laughs> R&D of camera stuff. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> I want to, I want to go on to another topic, but it sort of goes hand in hand with, um, <clears throat> the ultra phone, uh, which is the launch of one UI 5.1. Is that, did I get, yeah, 5.1. Um, Derek, you, you basically wrote a fantastic sort of, um, large news slash editorial piece called what's new in one UI 5.1 which is considered Samsung's big feature update, which is finally here. Um, and uh, yeah, like, I mean, it's a massive article, like there's so much going on. So why don't you break it down for us? Tell us uh, what were some of the, uh, you know, new things and and to know, obviously one UI Fi, I don't know if I said this earlier, it launched alongside the Galaxy S23 Ultra, uh, but this update isn't exclusive to the phone. I just wanna make that very clear. Um, yeah, and by the time most of the Ultra devices came out, many Samsung phones will have already begun to receive the update. Um, but yeah, anyways, sorry, continue, Derek. <laughs> um, well, yeah, like you said, when UI5 um, was launched with the uh, Galaxy S23 series, um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, with Pixels, they have the feature drops like every quarter, but the, usually Samsung will have like a, a point one update. Um, when their new flagships come out with a bunch of new features and then they roll them out to their other phones. When UI 5.1 brings um, a ton of stuff, um, it's kind of like a bunch of small things, but like they all kind of like add up to like this just like big feature drop. Um, And yeah, there's like some interesting stuff. Like uh, there's the Bixby text call, which is essentially like a pixel, what is it, call screen? where uh, it'll answer the phone for you and uh, and it'll like, you can use that to like see like via text, like how the conversation is going and like, uh, and like you can respond with like pre-written um, responses or, um, you know, I think one difference with Bixby text call is that you can actually type out your responses. Um, I think that's a pretty, I haven't used a feature myself, um, but I think it's pretty cool because um, I don't always like to talk on the phone. And so this can kind of like help with that anxiety, I guess. Why um, don't you like to talk on the phone? Uh, but I don't really use Bixby. So at the same time, I don't think I'll be using it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but Nick seems to like it. Um, uh, I, I mean, there's like just like a bunch of features like um just like samsung i think samsung notes and google meet are like collaborating um there's a uh oh gosh changes there's, to the gallery app apparently yeah the, oh yeah, yeah yeah like you know if you um just swiping up from a photo you get like kind of pretty much all the information about the photo um similar to like with a pixel um kind of like an iphone as well Oh, I did not know that. Um, yeah. With uh, there there was a feature um, in the Samsung Gallery app called uh, like where you can remaster a photo, so it kind of like ups the resolution, makes it clearer. Um, that's been improved. Um, it brought, I guess, Samsung brought in some of like the um, the ability, like some of the abilities from the um, object eraser, like removing shadows and removing reflections. I think that 
they've integrated that into the photo remaster feature. But they've also given you the ability to re to remaster GIFs, which I mean, I'm a big GIF user. So like, you know, and some and some some GIFs are like, you know, pretty low quality, but like to be able to like remaster them and like make them like look better, like I love this feature. Um and I imagine I'll be using it a lot. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there's like, there's just like a ton of features. Um, and yeah, in my article, it's kind of just like a, like, you know, just a breakdown of like some of the highlights, but then just like Samsung's like huge change log um, of stuff, which is like, again, a lot of it's like small stuff, but like, to me, I think like, you know, all of it like kind of adds up to like, you know, it kind of makes a pretty big deal. Okay, so I guess my question to that, and this is to everyone, uh, whoever wants to respond to it, is, um, you know, obviously this this is an important change log. It's it's really great for devices, but do people really care about it? But also, how um, it not not okay. I, I'm using the wrong word here by saying how significant is this um, update, but like how. I don't know what the right word I'm looking for is like, how important is this for the new devices? Like, is it important enough that people will notice these changes? Is it important enough that people will need these changes? I guess that's my question. I don't think so. I think it's like a lot of the features are nice to have, but I don't think any of them are like necessarily pertinent. Um, what should they have done instead? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, because I'm looking at the change log and a lot of it is just like, just quality of life improvements, but like nothing is like, I don't know. I, I was already happy with One UI 5, so I didn't really think there was much to like fix. But I mean, I, I still think it's just like a nice thing to have, but like nothing too pertinent. No, that makes sense. I think sometimes uh, these updates are, and we kind of talk about it too. Like, do we want to talk about every single pixel update every single month that it comes out or whenever it does come out? And it's like, sometimes it's just kind of mm, not that interesting or exciting, but I guess um, I think it was important that we had to cover this. So yeah, you know, maybe not that exciting, but still important, I guess. Right. There's one feature though, the image clipper. Um, that Nick and I absolutely love where you can just like press and hold on an image and it like lifts takes, it off. Yeah, like flip the iPhone has that too. Up in the background. And, iPhone uh, has that too. Yes, iPhone I know. Has it too. I know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I love that like Samsung has done it. And like from how I like, you know, for now it's like on the S23 series. Um, but I guess it's supposed to come to the other phones, um, at some point, but like in my use of it, it like, it works surprisingly well. And I'm like, wow, like this is so cool. Like, you know, okay. So when I first saw that feature, I, 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 I think it, it's definitely a very cool feature and I love it. It's so fun. But when would you use it? Like for what purpose? I, I mean, I would probably use it for like you know, for work. Cause, um, there's a lot of times where like, I just need like, um, like part of an image for like, you know, for like a hero image or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, makes and sense. I'm very yeah, bad at just like, you know, using those little tools. Um, and I think this kind of just like helps with that. 
Um, yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. I found a, a, a rather surprising reason to use it. I uh, forgot that with like the Pentastic, um, what's it called? Uh, good lock module. You can change the pointer that it shows up whenever you're using a yes pen on your phone. So I then downloaded a picture of a lightsaber and oh. now my pointer is a lightsaber. And whenever I take it out of the phone and put it back, it makes the <laughs> lightsaber turning on That's and then turning so off. So That's cute. Cool. Oh and my I God. was 33 years old when I learned that you could do this, even though I've been messing with phones for the last 15 years. <laughs> That's amazing. That's actually really amazing. Uh, yeah, you well, should you write can an, make like stickers for like memes and stuff. You should write an article about how you did that. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about a sure thing. I just have to do it. <laughs> yeah, I think the best use case, at least in my opinion, because I'm a big meme user, is yeah, making like memes. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, I look forward to hearing what other people are going to be doing with that feature. Uh, but let's take a quick break and we'll be right back, guys. When it comes to hiring, you need to trust your gut. But what if you could give your gut some help? When you want to find top talent fast, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. So something that's really amazing about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. You know, take Instant Match, for example. Candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search, according to U.S. Indeed data. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash ACP to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash ACP. Indeed.com slash ACP. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application. Pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay. Um, last week. Was it last week? I think it was last week. Uh, yeah, it was last week. Andrew, you wrote a news post, which somehow, I mean, it's a good news post, but I, it, randomly got like a lot of traction on our website, which is uh, interesting. I guess m- many people were very upset about it, but the article is titled Fitbit is removing the best features of its app next month. And essentially you wrote Fitbit has announced it's removing challenges, adventures, and open groups from its app. These three features will continue to be available until March 27th. Fitbit confirmed users will still be able to create private groups for competitions. Okay, tell me, um, you know, why this is a big deal. And I think, uh, Michael, you're not a, you're more of a Garmin user, right? Or do have you used Fitbit as well? I have used Fitbit. I, I prefer Garmin, but I ha- I'm familiar with the app. Okay, tell me, tell me what you guys think about this. I mean, my thought is just, I don't want, maybe some people 
want to create private groups where they can compete with each other um, and say, I ran more miles than you this week. I think generally the best way to make an app social is to have open groups where you can see what other people are doing. And if you have challenges, that is the kind of thing where you can say, okay, I'm trying to hit my, my goal of hitting X miles or X steps or X activities in a month. People like when things are gamified, or at least some people do. And taking those away and not replacing it with anything better just tells Fitbit users who are spending money every month, like, what am I paying for here? I'm paying for the health stuff, but the actual fitness side of things, which is in the name Fitbit, they're cutting back. And it's fair to ask, is this happening because of Google? Or is it, is there, it was no one using it? Maybe no one cares, but based on the traffic we got on it, I assume plenty of people do care. Yeah, I think a lot of people do care. And I think <clears throat> this, um, the thought that you said the gamification of something is something that a lot of people really enjoy, especially when it comes to fitness kind of stuff. Cause it's also like a form of motivation, right? Like you are able to compete with people and have fun. And, um, yeah, I, um, I wonder if it, it could mean to a broader move in terms of what Google could be doing with Fitbit. So I don't, I don't think that Google knows what it's going to do with Fitbit. I, this, everything feels like we're barreling towards the end of Fitbit as it's as a separate entity, like entirely. Like the Fit, Fitbit smartwatches were like, you can't download third party apps anymore. You can't use streaming services anymore yet. The sense two costs were like released at a retail price of like $300. So, it, it, and I think I wrote this more so in my, um, my Versa four review, but it, it's a, they're, they're expensive glorified fitness trackers and you can buy, you know, the Xiaomi me seven me band or, you know, even uh, like the Fitbit charge, if you want a, a fitness tracker that might send notifications to your from your phone, like on your wrist. But this group stuff and like removing this, Nick and I were talking about it this morning. None of this makes sense. It doesn't make sense for a company the size of Google to remove a feature that's been a staple for Fitbit for years for seemingly no reason. And it's it, there, there hasn't been an actual reason communicated to like the users as to why it's being removed. Okay. I have a thought about that. Okay. So this is the statement that Fitbit and Nest stated to the verge. So they said, quote, Fitbit found that these select features had a limited number of active users compared to other offerings, but are unable to confirm specific numbers at this time. Okay. So here's my thought and give me a second because I need to formulate it in my head. Um, okay. So what if this feature or these features were something that were used by a limited number of users which we don't know that number of. And because something is being removed, people who aren't even using it are still upset, even though they they weren't using it. You know, you know, when like you have something and you don't use it, but then it gets taken away and you're like, but I want it. And it's kind of like, but you don't even use it. It's like, no, I still want it. I, I wonder if, if that's what's happening here. Did, did people really care about these features? And was it really a limited number of people? And is that why people are upset because they're they're 
taken, like something's taken away from them, even if they weren't using it. Maybe they just liked having the option to do the challenges if they were getting more ready to do that. I mean, that's fair, but also there's two, there's two ways to respond to low user interest in something. You get rid of it or you make it more interesting. And they chose the first option. Yeah. And if you look at the screenshot that The Verge posted in their, in their, in their piece covering it, if it's just a, a couple of groups, but it's like one is healthy eating. It's got 4.2 million members. There's a pregnancy group that has 96,000 members. There's a parenting group that has 324,000 members. So like Google slash Fitbit slash Nest, whoever, uh, you know, unable to confirm number specific numbers at this time. Well, those are the numbers. They may not be, they're probably not active users. That's fine. But you look at a group and it has over 4 million people in it. And you're just came out and said, Hey, we're getting rid of open groups. Like what, what is the point of that? That doesn't make any sense at like it, it, you're removing a feature again for what seems like no reason on top of the fact that Fitbit itself, the service has been down, has had multiple outages over the past month or so. So like something's happening. We're just not being told what that thing is. I mean, I think it could also be like a cost effective measure, right? Like you want to scale back on something that may not necessarily provide as much of a return on investment by keeping it there. And so maybe they're seeing it as like a waste of money by just having it as an option, even if only 4 million people are using something. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I would prefer for them to say that, that we're getting rid of it because of cost cutting, cost cutting measures. Because of the, but that they're they're never going to do that. Like that that looks bad for them, right? The, then so does everything bad. else. Everything else. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they just looks, yeah, they just fired a bunch of people. So yeah, like they don't want to look bad, right? They so. already they, do. But they're already right, exactly just roll it all into one. Call like say it's just all financially. You know, our investors said that we have to. <laughs> I wish I wish it was as easy as that, but I don't. I don't yeah, think our it investors ever will be. don't like when we do this, so we're not going to do this anymore. <laughs> So yeah. like, that, that's part of my so like kind of going back to the 23 ultra and not going on a soapbox or anything like that. I, I, you know, I'm, I have considered actually going to the 23 ultra, throwing my iPhone in a drawer, seeing how that goes. But I think that if I do that, I'm going to grab a guard one of the garments that I have that I've gotten for review, or I have one that I purchased instead of the, instead of the pixel watch or the watch five, because Garmin has challenges. <laughs> I'm not going to challenge you because I don't leave the house except for like one day a week. <laughs> it's self challenges, like trying to hit a certain goal. I try to do that uh, to okay. motivate myself. Yeah. And okay. I think there are also groups, but yeah, I, I don't get it. That's my, that's, I think the general take here is really is it seems nonsensical or shooting themselves in the foot and people are paying. So, you know, even if something isn't cost effective, if people are paying for that service, then they should keep it. I'm pretty sure Samsung Health also has like open group things. Like I'm looking and there's like a jungle march thing. That with sounds like so 300,000 <laughs> participants. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, yeah. I don't. And then there's like a spa February challenge with like almost a million people, like people participating. Um, well, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like Peloton, right? Like Peloton has like those group challenges and, monthly challenge whatever you know yeah what I, mean, I think but. aura does too i don't know but like yeah yeah it's just weird that like something that other services clearly offer 
Fitbit, who's like, you know, so big in this market, is just like, nope. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, one last thing, like for me, it, it it's not like this is an Android only thing. Like this isn't just limited to the Android side of the world. It's it's iOS users have Fitbits too, which is part of why they're so popular. It's true. Um, okay, let's move on to um, Michael's baby, uh, <laughs> which he's been nonstop <laughs> working on. I'm okay, so, so Michael had the wonderful opportunity of reviewing the Sony PSVR 2. So jealous. Uh, yeah, and it, it is a beautiful device. Uh, he gave the device a 4.5 stars out of 5, and he titled it worth the high price. Um, so, uh, well, actually, before I, I give the, the mic to you, Michael, I'll just say you wrote that the pros were visuals and eye tracking are fantastic. Halo strap gives you a comfortable fit, strong launch lineup of games tailored for PS5 hardware, convenient pass through button controls a huge step up on uh, controls are a huge step up on the PSVR one. Your cons are return to weird VR. Wired, <laughs> I'd like, sorry. Oh, who, who wired? <laughs> sorry, wired. Return to wired <laughs> VR. My bad. Uh, no built-in speakers. Expensive on top of PS5 price. So tell us a little bit about the device. I mean, that, that does cover a lot of it. Pretty much the thing here is this is a gaming VR headset. And you need the wired... The, the wired connection to deliver great graphics. The only way that a wireless headset is going to ever match this is the Quest has actually a wireless way to connect to your PC, but that requires you know a $2,000 gaming PC, and most people don't actually have that. That's why PC VR is so niche. So PS5 VR makes that more accessible, which is great. It's still expensive. Um, and the only other way that a, a wireless headset could match it is with, you know, their Meta is working on, um, you know, using 5G networks for, for cloud gaming. And we're seeing a huge rise in cloud stuff, but who knows if it'll ever actually be consistent enough that people can really take advantage of it for VR, because VR is incredibly demanding graphically. So right now, this is the best way to get really immersive VR. The problem is the wire. And... You know, okay, why? Why did they return to wired VR headsets? That seems so backwards. Well, because if with the Quest 2, your graphics, the difference is on, on the Quest, one of the most popular games is Resident Evil 4. And it's really fun, but it looks like a PS2 game. Oh. On the PS5 VR headset, you can play Resident Evil Village, which is one of the most graphically amazing horror games ever and have no drop down in graphics mm. that's the difference it's three generations of graphics better but mm -hmm. you have to accept the wire and some people can't do that and some people will happily do it so it's just a matter of preference you know the quest okay, is great for fitness and for tell me about immersed. that wire length though like is it really long enough that you can sit comfortably or stand comfortably from your um, console oh yeah it's 14 feet long it's going to be dripping on, drooping on the floor unless you're 14 feet away from your living room tv for some reason so, so you can comfortably like enough. beat saber yeah the only thing is I, I found the best way to do it is literally to face away from the television because the wire goes behind you and if you turn left or right, it's not really going to get underfoot. So you can swipe and 
jab and weave. The thing is you can't really walk around and do true room scale without the wire getting in the way. And that's where the quest is better is just, you can, as long as you have a big space, I don't cause I live in California and real estate is expensive here. But if you're living somewhere, you know, where you can actually afford a big space for VR, the quest might be better because you can just step around and, and really go nuts in a virtual world. For me, Wired is less of a big deal because I already can't move anyway. I'm mostly just standing still. That's interesting. I um, I don't know how I feel about this Wired. I don't know. I I mean, I get it. I, it would make your graphics a lot better. Um, but yeah, okay. Tell t- tell us about the games and um, you know, the way that the PlayStation launched this this entire console. Obviously, we are sort of. And, you know, I wish Nick was on here to talk about this as well, but, you know, we are sort of in this time where there's like, there's trying to be some competition with like Quest and then like Pico and, you know, that trying to come to the US. Like there's definitely some sense of competition happening, but do you think that this device, the launch, the way it was done, do you think it, it is a viable competitor to the devices that are in the market right now? So what's interesting, and I think Nick is going to write about this, is the Quest PR team sent me an email around the PSVR 2 launch saying, hey, by the way, out of the 50 launch titles for PlayStation, 42 of them are on the Quest. Mm. And that is the big question of whether or not that is a good or a bad thing. And that goes into whether or not you're a gamer who cares about exclusive worldwide premiere, like the things that all these gamers really get attached to saying we we're the only console with X, Mm -hmm. but Sony is really just benefiting from the fact that quest spent years cultivating this great group of indie developers who are now saying, okay, great. Now I can take my games that were kind of a little bit shackled on a, on a wireless headset and do the enhanced, you know, true complete version on PSVR with just better graphics and other improvements like eye tracking and haptics. And things like that. And so if you're a PSVR 2 owner who didn't own the Quest, you're like, oh my God, the launch lineup is amazing. There's all these great indie games. And then you also have things like Resident Evil Village and Gran Turismo and so on. But if you're someone who owned the Quest and you're thinking about getting a PlayStation helmet, you're saying, oh, headset, you're saying, do I care enough about the exclusives? Because otherwise I already had all these games. And even if they look slightly better, I'm not sure I'm going to want to rebuy them. And so is Village and Horizon Call of the Mountain and these other few titles good enough? And that is a judgment call. You know, it's interesting, too, with the whole graphics thing, you know, and I, I kind of wish Sony was shady enough to be like, well, you know, all those titles that, you know, Quest has, we have them, but they're better. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but like, you know, it's interesting about like that whole conversation about like, you know, is a graphical you know, whatever, is it, is it enough? Um, like for me, I had my, I bought my PlayStation 4 Pro, I want to say in 2019. Um, and, you know, I was enjoying that for a while, but, uh, you know, the PS5, I forgot when that came out exactly, but. Yeah, it's 2020, I think. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, yeah, so it didn't come out too much, like, longer after, but, um, I, I didn't get one. How much until... do you hate yourself for not like waiting? <laughs> no, um, I was fine because like I a PS5s were hard to get for a while, um, but like 
you know, for a while I was just enjoying having a PlayStation 4 playing the games on it. But then when the PlayStation 5 came out, like, you know, because I was on PlayStation Plus and I had all these games, there was there was a, about a year where I stopped playing games because like, you know, at, like including my PlayStation 4 games, because I was like, well, the PlayStation 5's out and I know I'm going to get it at some point. So I don't want to play these games right now because I'd rather play them on the better hardware. Um, you know, for whatever graphical uh, upgrades that they get for the loading times, like, you know, now I just don't even want to deal with that on my PlayStation 4 Pro, even though it's still pretty good. Um, I want to play these on my PlayStation 5. So I just stopped playing games for a while. Um, so, like, for someone like me, like, I, I, you know, going from something like a Quest to, you know, PlayStation VR 2, like, I definitely think it's worth it like i i would just put the quest down and just all right i'm 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 going playstation now you know like sure it's the same game but like it's going to play a lot better it's going to look a lot better um and yeah i have to deal with the wire but who cares yeah i mean i i, I look forward to hearing what nick has to say about that because i and i i also kind of wish i do wish sony clapped back a little bit because I mean, no, like, frankly speaking, though, that is the point, though, right? Like, they have the same games, but it's better quality. And. Well, this wasn't like an official press release from Quest saying we're better or we already have. No, 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 no. It was just like, it it was just like a, here's a side note, BTW, uh, we already have the same games. Um, No, I get that. I just. um, I think like when when they were marketing this, the PlayStation, did they um, say anything about that? Like, oh, the quality is better or, oh, it's remastered or I don't know. Like, did they say anything like that? Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely focused on the graphics and they showed things like how beautiful the Horizon game looks. And it truly the graphics are amazing. I mean, just the the visuals, the, the OLED display is great. You can see things more clearly because the eye tracking lets you know if the lenses are perfectly centered, which is honestly really helpful because it's hard to figure that out by yourself um, on a quest. And just everything looks and feels great. It, it's definitely also the case that it seems like Sony didn't market the headset that much. And it's it's weird. They It's almost like they were waiting to talk about it until right before it came out. They announced it like a year before, dripped information, and then it came out. And there's been rumors that it hasn't sold up to Sony's expectations yet. That might change because people will look at, you know, live streams and say, oh my God, this looks great. But it it does seem like they kind of slept on that and I'm not sure why. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's something that you want to pose a question to to them and ask them what's up with that. I'll ask but... the Sony PR team, why didn't you do your job better? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys should be out there shading the quest. Yeah. Why aren't you start a fight? Yeah. Um, okay, well, on that note, let's take a quick break. Um, and we have two articles written by Jerry that I want to talk about. And Jerry's not here to talk about it, but we'll still have fun talking about it. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Do you know how much your subscriptions cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when the actual total is closer to $200. If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need rocket money. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. 
Given the nature of writing for a living, I'm constantly checking out new apps and services to see if there's anything exciting or a shiny new toy can improve my workflow. But this comes with a challenge of its own because my brain doesn't like to remember to cancel those pesky free trial subscriptions. After learning about Rocket Money, I was able to sign up within seconds and promptly found a few different subscriptions that have been grabbing a few bucks here and there from my checking account. What's nice is that you don't need to pour over your account records as Rocket Money does the heavy lifting for you. With just a couple of taps, I was able to save myself about 50 bucks a month from services that I had forgotten about or am no longer using. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com ACP. That's rocketmoney.com ACP. Rocketmoney.com ACP. Okay, so the first article, I mean, obviously I wish Jerry was here to talk about it because he's so fun when he talks about the things that interests him. <laughs> but okay, so the first article he wrote was titled, um, Phone Fandom is Alive and Well and Foolish. And this article I found very interesting because it, it stemmed from... Uh, <laughs> Oh, I love how he wrote this. Um, in a very unscientific Twitter poll, <laughs> uh, Tech Radar's EIC Lance uh, Yulanoff asked iPhone users if they would be more interested in an iPhone flip or an iPad fold. And um, he, he goes on to write, while neither of these products exists right now, they probably will one day. So I found this interesting enough to pay attention to. Anyways, the poll breakdown was I, uh, iPhone flip 13.4%, iPad fold 12.8%, both 10.7%, neither 63.1%. And then obviously Jerry writes that these numbers will change once Apple gets around to releasing a foldable phone, in which case almost every iPhone user will praise uh, the company and say, my favorite company makes the best things and this is so awesome. <laughs> so... Anyways, I, I, I like this. I think this is interesting because I think we have, I think it's really true. Like, you know, we have people who are in camps, like you are an iPhone person or you are a Samsung person or you are a Pixel person. Uh, back in the day, there's Motorola or LG or um, BlackBerry. I think this is a big thing. And I think that, you know, people are so hell bent on like defending themselves or defending the company. Um, anyways, I, I just found the article fascinating and I wanted to get your, your, you guys' thoughts on it. What do you guys think of it? My interest in phones started with Nokia back when I was like 12 and I was like such a fanboy for such a long time. Um, like, it, like pretty much to a toxic level. Um, and and then when Nokia kind of died, then that switched to LG, and um, I'm still <laughs> I'm still kind of holding on to that. I still have my LG wing at my side. Um, but no, I thought it was funny. Um, well, and I, I I should point out that the crux of the article really comes down to um, the fact that the, that companies don't actually care about you they care about the bottom line and that or at least that's what jerry's writing and he's saying that quote your favorite tech company only cares about your wallet and will do or say anything to get into it and that kind of speaks volumes yeah. i i think that he has a good point 
Um, I think some companies are definitely better at doing at it, or sorry, are better at doing it than others. Um, like LG was not great at marketing, neither was Nokia. Um, but Samsung will market the crap out of a phone, um, even if it's not the greatest phone in the world. Apple will do it too, um, just because they want you to buy it. Um, and I think that's that's probably why I was like so into Nokia and LG because they were kind of the underdogs. Um, I felt like uh, for a long time. Were they the underdogs or were they just producing for their own family of followers? Uh, probably. I mean, well, Nokia was like the biggest, you know, mobile manufacturer for a long time. For sure. Um, and then they started to just make mistakes and then. I, right. I and that's what exactly what happened. Um, that was exactly what happened to BlackBerry, too. Right. Like, remember, BlackBerry was considered one of them. Well, and is still considered a pioneer of security. And it was used by people who are in really high end industries, government users, government officers, whatever. Um, but then at some point, they just kind of fell flat because uh, they weren't keeping up with the masses. Or what everyone else is doing. Yeah, and it's problematic. And, you know, it just sucks that, like, you know, everything I love dies. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think, like, I, 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 I feel like, you know, while they were big, I liked them. But then, like, when they became more of an underdog, I liked them even more. Because, like, you know, it was like they had these great phones, but, like, it's like no one knew about them. And now, and, and for me as a fan, I was like, I have to at least like help them, like get the word out. Like, hey, LG makes this great phone. Like you should consider this. And when I used to work for AT&T, like I would always like pitch like, you know, the Nokias and the LGs of the world, um, you know, to like no avail. But uh, um, but but there was a point, you know, and, and now like even though I'm still such an, a big LG fan, obviously LG isn't really around anymore and I use Samsung phones. but um no i'm I'm kind of at a point where like you know i'll I'll use anything as long as it like works well for what I needed to you know to do and i I think I've kind of uh my uh my fanboyness has definitely died down, and yet you'd <laughs> never buy an iPhone, would you actually i you know <laughs> yeah I was about I, to it, call you out if you said no derek <laughs> no um. I've been wanting to get an iPhone 14 Pro for, you know, since it came out. Um, you know, it's just a matter of buying it. But uh, no, I, w- I would get an iPhone. And, ma- and I've had, I've used an iPhone in the past before, or I've used iOS, you know, with, with like uh, the iPod Touch. Um, but uh, I would get an iPhone because I want, I want to know what, like, what's going on on, the other side of things like i want to experience what what's happening with ios you know um i i find it fascinating and to be able to like compare and contrast the os's and you know how the phones feel when i'm using them uh, i like that idea you know um i don't hate on i don't really hate on apple as much as i used to anymore um i, I very much appreciate what apple has done for the mobile industry i guess uh but yeah. Sounded very apprehensive there. <laughs> I had a, a quick thought about the totally unscientific poll. <laughs> I'm I'm genuinely unclear or uncertain if Jerry is right 
just not about the fandom part, but I think Apple users crave consistency. You know, they're happy when Apple brings them a better point and click camera, better emojis or whatever. But there's a reason why Apple phones design hasn't changed in five years. It's not just that Apple is, is lazy. People like consistency because they want something that they can quickly understand right out of the box. And a foldable phone is going to take a lot of convincing for Apple's core users. And but... I'm not sure the 25%, the younger group or the people who are more experimental will say, sure, this is good, finally. But I don't know if that's why Apple is taking so long, because maybe they're just not clear yet on if regular, not that Android users who like flips and folds are irregular, but. No, no, no. I, but I get what you're saying. And I, I would agree with you. I think um, <clears throat> one of the reasons why Apple does so well is because they basically are working for their users, right? Like, and that consistency is something that they're very aware of. Um, that being said, though, Apple is also really good at convincing people of buying things that they don't need. And they're really good at convincing people to be part of the ecosystem, um, even if it's something new. Right. So like and, and, and it goes down to their marketing and the way that they would market it. So like when you look at, for example, Samsung's flip phones and the way that they marketed those those devices during their showcase, one of the main things that they did was they catered to a creator economy. So people who are a lot younger, the Gen Z people who are, you know, using their phones to make TikToks or create content for Instagram or whatever it may be. And when we saw that marketing, it was very evident that that's what they were focusing on because that generation is more malleable to change. Right. And so if they are able to target one audience, then that audience can slowly help. And that tends to happen a lot of the times, right? Like it's not like my dad will come to me and be like, Hey, is this phone a good phone? Or should I upgrade to this phone? Or my mom will, my mom doesn't even care. She'll just be like, Oh, get me a new device. So I feel like if Apple were to do something, they wouldn't, they could get away with it because of their marketing. Fair enough. I mean, that's, I just, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I, that's just what I think. I oh, know. I agree. I definitely think Apple's very good at you know like it I, I forgot who said it but it's probably the reason why they haven't come out with the foldable yet because they're just like biding their time while samsung you know gets everyone you know hyped up for them each year more and more and makes them a little more mainstream then apple's gonna swoop in and be like all right we've perfected this you know? I, yeah and i i was gonna say i think one of the reasons why they're holding off is for the crease issue yeah, that's probably it too. Like they don't want to, they don't want any imperfections in their phone. Yes, they don't want, they a don't want any three situation. Isn't that falling apart right now? Yeah, yeah exactly. Good. Exactly. Okay. Uh, let's move on to our final topic, um, which is something that uh, obviously has been making waves in a lot of the news recently, which is about chat GPT. Um, again, another article written by um, Jerry. Uh, he's not here to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it anyways. Um, so Bing GPT is as bad as I thought it would be. 
um, it's not ready for prime time. <laughs> so of course, as we all know, Microsoft opened chat GPT, it's enhanced Bing search to a bunch of people recently, and it's, um, proving to show how bad it is. And, uh, I don't remember when this article was published, but, uh, shortly after that, if I'm not mistaken, um, the New York times reporter, uh, published an article as well about using Microsoft's chat GPT and the very unsettling conversation uh, he had with the chat bot, basically telling him that he should divorce his spouse and that um, the, the, he doesn't love his spouse. He loves the chat. It was just a very weird conversation, but okay. Um, I guess I just want to talk about this in general with you guys. What are your thoughts on chat GPT? Are we ready for something like this? Why, why, and I'm, this is something I've been kind of comparing it to, to a lot of, like I was, when I, when I talked to a lot of people about this is I, I compare this to what it was like in 2007 when we started seeing the rise of social media and everyone was very excited about it and everyone was hyping it and making it a big deal. And then a few years go by and we see some of the catastrophic effects of social media and what it, the bad sides of social media. And I'm almost feeling like this is that same kind of experience that we're having right now. Um, so I'm going to open the floor. Tell me what you guys think. Andrew, tell us about your experience with it. Oh, yeah, because Andrew, you, <laughs> you, you had a, a very interesting experience with it. Did I? Was it you or was it Nick? I can't remember. I feel like it was. it was you. I don't know. You were the I only one was, posting like stuff. I thought it was Nick. I thought it or was you because don't you Nick. have access to it? I did. I mean, everybody should have it now, but I don't. Well, that's because you're like, there's a still a fan. there's still like a wait list. Like it's available, like for everyone to sign up for, uh, and, like on PC and mobile. But I'm still on. I don't wait remember. List. I don't. Know. I, I I saw you I posting just be stuff. A, I honestly might have a brain fart it yeah. might have been related to like jerry asked me to look at something or nick had asked me to look at something for their articles oh sorry i was saying like how it was a uh, comparing or i think someone asked it like to compare the s22 to the s23 and how it was just like oh. getting the specs all wrong and stuff yeah no, yeah it's not good it, it well one it'll tell you so if you like take a link from android central and say hey can you sign i haven't messed with it since they've started locking it down um, because they've massively locked it down over the past week and a half. Well, they uh, Microsoft also put out a statement saying that they are scaling back how many people can use it because of all those instances of different uh, unsettling things that people have been experiencing with the chatbot. So, it, if it's, yeah, so if you if if you go and throw a link at it and say, hey, "Can you summarize this for me?" It'll Throwback a, a random message that says, sorry, can't do that because of copyright claim or something related to that. But then it'll tr still try and summarize it and give all wrong specs. Even though the article says that it has the article in, inside the article, it has all the specs. It, it just gets everything, not everything, but a good majority of it wrong. And again, this was super... 890 the s23 ultra has a snapdragon 895 which doesn't while the exist s22 ultra right which yet while the s22 ultra has a, a 
Snapdragon 888. Yeah, that's the, funny. The S23 Ultra has a 6.9-inch display with a variable refresh rate of up to 144 hertz, while the S22 Ultra's 6.8 display, 6.8-inch display <laughs> has a fixed refresh rate of 120 hertz. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so essentially don't trust it is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. It's, it's too... I haven't... It scared me for a while because of what we do. Um, no, but I think I, but that's exactly the thing. Like, I don't think journalists will fully be replaced, especially yet because of the inaccuracies, but also like, let's say, you know, um, you use a software like this, it could be used for other things and as like an enhancer. And this is what I'm, this is what I keep trying to tell people. Like, I don't think it's something that we should run away from. I think we should learn to use it and mm-hmm. learn how we can adapt to it. I mm-hmm. don't think, I think like sitting here and being afraid that it's going to take over our jobs is it to me, doesn't sound like a smart thing to do because then you're just going to let this chatbot win. You know what I mean? And yeah. I f- like, I feel like we should adapt to it kind of thing. Yeah. Like I would love for it to like, you know, help me formulate a, a nice sounding email when I'm having trouble, you know? Um, and it can do that. Yeah. That kind I, of stuff it's really good at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, so I think, like, we should definitely take advantage of its strengths while, like, recognizing that, yeah, there's quite a bit of weaknesses and, you know, they're probably going to work on this and, you know, fix it. But, you know, definitely we should, you know, there's a lot of focus on the negative, I'm saying. And and a lot of it's comical. Um, a lot of it's uh, problematic, I guess. But, um yeah, what Shruti was saying, like, we should definitely, like, use it, like, for what it's good at. So focusing on the negatives, uh, I'm going to be a naysayer, if that's okay. So right now, I, I'm a big fan of um, speculative fiction, and there's a huge problem going on. Wait, what is sci- speculative fiction? Sci-fi and fantasy. Oh, okay. Um, there, there's a big problem right now with um, publications like Clark's World and Asimov's and the rest that have been getting just spammed by thousands and thousands of chat GPT submission stories mm-hmm. where people are just sending in things that are just made up entirely by the chatbot, And it's pretty obvious to them that they are fake. But when you have volunteer readers, you have to read everyone carefully and say, okay, this makes no sense. This is clearly fake. But the, mm-hmm. the head of, the, of Clark's World made the mistake of saying, yeah, we're having a problem with this chat GPT stories or spamming our inbox and speaking of fandoms the stands of chat gpt responded by sending in more and more and more of those same stories oh my gosh until the point that now they've closed submissions on a lot of sites because of this so people are just saying they want to be published without actually writing it themselves and they're they're making it so that now People are going to, they're going to only turn to established authors now. People are going to be worried about looking at a new, if ChatGPT gets good enough that it can actually. Then anyone people, can be an author. Then they can just take all this, the, you know, the published stories already written from a publication, sit it in there and then have something spat out and say, this is what I wrote and tweak it. And people are just going to start trusting the people who are already published, who are, who are proven to actually be quote unquote real writers because ever, anything else could just be fake. And mm-hmm. that just the spam of people who are just using this tool 
to prove a point or to do something without doing the work is messing things up. And so, so, you know, that it is a bit frustrating that people are using it that way instead of if they want to read a chat GPT story based on ideas they have, that's fun, but to put it on other people. So I have a, I have a question about that. So did this company have some sort of a monitor to determine whether a submission was, had used chat GPT or, or, and, and if not, do you think that if that were a solution, it would be helpful? Well, from what I've heard, the companies that are developing tools to detect if something is AI generated are also creating programs that help people fool those same programs. Oh, They're God. playing both sides of the table. Oh, and so God. you can put it through that, but you know, people might find a way to get around it. But the other thing, yeah, like it's obvious to them. Apparently, ChatGPT generated the same story title for a lot of these submissions, like The Last Hero. Apparently they got mm. like dozens of AI stories that are all titled the same because oh my gosh. You know, it's, it's limited, but you know, it, it's apparently they can pretty much, you know, the same way that you can read something and say, okay, why would anyone write like this? It's because it's done by an AI and you can sort of tell, but maybe over time it'll get better. And then that might think make things worse. I don't know. Oh, way to be a Debbie Downer, Michael. <laughs> God, so, so <laughs> depressing. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we can only hope, right? I mean, I think um, I think that is the challenge that we're going to see as a society when we um, somehow use this tool more and more. Um, but I guess time will tell. And for now, we know that Jerry's voice is that thing cheap GPT is bad. <laughs> so <laughs> don't use it <laughs> for the time being, at least. Um, okay. On that note, uh, I want to talk about my favorite thing, which is the uh, things that made us happy this past week. So what made you guys happy this past week? It was snowing here. It's been snowing here on and off in Seattle um, all week. And I absolutely love the snow. Um, so, yeah. That made me happy. Yes, I would agree with you. It, it, yes, I love snow. Uh, who wants to go next? I can go. Yeah, I just I already talked about it, but I got a brand new VR headset and I've just been getting scared by the giant vampire lady in Resident <laughs> Evil and, <laughs> you know, diving it, like climbing mountains in Horizon and driving race cars and all that. It's just, it is just a lot of fun to to sink into that. So that's also kudos awesome. to you for even playing Resident Evil on VR because I can't even play scary games yeah, like in not VR. Scary. And yeah. so to like immerse to really immerse yourself in a scary game like that, no. Kudos yeah, to you. I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> it is pretty intense. Awesome. And uh, Andrew. So I've got. Like, I've got two things, actually. Uh, the first is I bought an uh, old iPod Classic. Oh, that actually, fun. That actually works. Um, so I, and I found my old music library that, of music that I may or may not have downloaded. Oh, my God. So <laughs> I'm going to be messing with that this weekend. But I also got one of their, their, their basically little Raspberry Pis in a case but they're these retro consoles, retro handheld consoles. And I got one of those too. So I've been like messing around with um, 
setting up like I've, last night i played uh link's awakening the game boy version oh my god that's amazing and it looks like a game boy that's with, so cool that's is, so cool with like, it's like a game boy with an oled like i don't know if, i don't know remember if it's lcd or oled for the one that i have but it's like oled display playing link's awakening without playing like grabbing this it's like it's, it's pocketable that's so fun oh my gosh i love that uh okay i have a few things um yes it's snowing here too we are very happy about it it's amazing i'm very excited about it um i think a couple of podcasts ago i had said that i was playing the last of us um i finished the last of us i am now playing the last of us part two i don't know if i like part two as much as i also i have to note i I liked part one. It's not my favorite game, but it was it was a fun game to play. Um, yes. So I'm playing Last of Us part two and that it is making me happy, but I'm curious to know where it's going to go. Um, I started reading another book. <laughs> it's called Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. I think that's how you say her last name. Um, and I really like it. It's really lovely. And um yeah, those are the things that make me happy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so on that note, I wanted to say thank you to everyone who listens to us every week, whether it's in the morning, afternoon, or night, wherever you're listening to us, we really appreciate it. And on that note, we will catch you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Later. Adios.